Well, good morning. Uh, I just thought I'd open with this question, and this question is, have you ever said anything you wish that you could take back? I know I have. And one of these times was, you know, this is not a happy story I'm about to tell you, a bit of a warning. One of these times, times was something that I actually said to someone, um, you know, and they were pregnant. And I actually said to that person, oh, my gosh, you've got cankles. And that was an absolutely terrible thing to say. And you know what I mean? Like, rightly so, this person kind of like ran off crying. And it was, it was just like at that moment, I'd let those words out and I really couldn't take them back. And that's the thing about, you know, words. It's, it's so amazing. It's like once they've kind of gone out there, once you've kind of like said something, there's no real rewind button for time. This world that we live in, it's the now and the future. <laughs> and so, you know, words are such a powerful thing. And um, today, you know, we're going to be continuing this amazing series that we've been journeying on together, the Love One Another series. And today I'm going to be talking about the power of words. And, you know, Pastor Julie talked about um, forgiveness last week. And, and, you know, forgiveness to actually enact forgiveness, words actually have to be spoken. And so we're going to continue on this journey together. And um, the key verse that you've, if you've been following along with us, the key verse that we've been talking about is John 13, verse 34. And in this verse, it says, I give you a new command to you, love one another. And possibly the new part about this new command is that Jesus says, love one another as, as I have loved you. And so when we're loving one another as I have loved you, it's like that puts a whole new spin on it because then we start to say, well, hang on, how did Jesus love people? And how did Jesus love people? Absolutely selflessly. He didn't love and he loved unconditionally and he loved powerfully and he loved in a way that connected with the people in which we're receiving that love. And so today we're going to look deeper into that. So my goal for you today is to dissect the power of words and the power of words that we have. And, and probably something that, you know, we all know, something that you know, I know, is that words are powerful. And, you know, your life has been shaped by words that have been spoken to you, words that have been spoken o over you, and words that have been spoken about you. I'm sure that all of us can remember at some time when we were younger, our parents or someone speaking some words over us, which were absolutely powerful and shaped probably the course and direction of our life. In fact, the power of words, to some extent, words have influenced the quality and direction of your life, if you think about it. And, you know, I can actually recall a chat that I actually had with my father, my dad, Christopher, and uh, he actually, it was at a time, you know, it was like the back end of high school and things like that. And it was like that time where you got to like pick Am I going to go to university? Am I going to be like a tradie? And I kind of like said to my dad, I said, look, I, I, th I think that, you know, I really enjoy using my hands. I think I want to be a tradie of some sort. And my dad said, look, if you want to do that, that is absolutely fine. Um, and he said that, but, you know, one thing to consider is a lot of tradies after about, you know, 30, 40 years, they've got a real bad back and it all hurts. And he said that, you know, oh, why don't you just try studying hard, try and get good marks. And that at least gives you the option of choosing something where it's like a, a university and, you know, using your brain instead of your back. And he said, 
oh, look, you know, I, I support you with whatever you want to do. I believe in you, but why don't you try that? And that, that discussion actually changed the direction of my life. That, so, you know, words are extremely powerful. And, um, you know, I think part of what was um, powerful in that discussion is my dad actually said, I believe in you. In, 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 in and through those words, he said, I believe in you. I believe that you can actually get good grades. And that was something that probably before that point in time, part of the reason that I thought that I was, you know, just going to be a tradie, not that a tradie is a bad thing, don't, don't hear me wrong, is that, you know, I thought that's all I could do. But someone called me up into something that I was able, I wasn't limited by that. And that was a really powerful conversation. So what we say is extremely important to those around us. And, you know, Proverbs 18.21 puts it this way, and this is probably the key kind of like scripture that summarizes everything I'm going to say today. And that is that the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue or words that come out of your mouth have the power of life and death. And death and it's really short and it's really simple and you know when we think about this the words that we speak the stakes are really high for those who we live with our parents our brothers and sisters you know our friends at school the words that we speak the stakes are really high and the words that we speak can either be life or we can speak words of death so our tongues can either build other people up or they can tear them down and so words are powerful and there was a guy, um, Gary Chapman, he wrote this book called The Five Love Languages, an amazing book. Um, if you get a chance to um, buy that or read that or borrow that, I would recommend it. And, um, you know, this whole idea that words are powerful, he actually talks about that actually when it comes to us kind of like receiving love, we all have a different love language and some of those things are like receiving gifts and some of those things are like you know physical touch and things like spending quality time with each other but one of those love languages is actually called words of affirmation and that is actually the most common love language when they've done all the surveys and questions the one that people pick most common is words of affirmation so your words that you speak are powerful and one of the things which Gary Chapman says was whether written or spoken a person's whose primary love language is words of affirmation will place a lot of importance on what you have to say to them and so when you speak negative words over them it's like a dagger to their heart and when you speak uh, words which are positive building, words of life, uplifting, then that just like elevates them and they're able to, you know, like uh, walk at a, new, at a new level. So here's a couple of points that I'd like to share on words. Words spoken, they can create or change the atmosphere. I'm sure you've all gone into a room and it's extremely like a cold atmosphere. It's like someone said something and it's like dead silent, right? We've all experienced that. And yet, and on the flip side, when someone comes in and speaks words of life into that atmosphere, how, how can bring chatter and change and life into the room, right? Not only that, this is a whole concept that not all words are weighed equally. Not all words are weighed equally. What do we mean by that? What we mean is if we say a negative word, one negative word to someone, if we say one positive word to someone, if there's kind of like a scales, does that scales kind of like balance out one to one? 
No. Studies have shown that actually, if you say a negative word, it's like a five to one ratio. You need to say five encouraging words to kind of like get back on level. I mean, obviously it depends on what's said and you know how damaging it is and what, what's been said. But generally speaking, words are not weighed equally. The source of words isn't weighed equally. If you're driving down the road and someone says something to you, you know, you don't really know them, it's not going to affect you long term. But if it's someone who's a friend at school, if, you, if you're a boss or a manager and you've got staff underneath you, your words weigh more. If you're a mother, your words weigh 100 kilos. If you're, for some reason, if you're a father, your words weigh 200 kilos. The source of words and who says it, the closer we are in a relationship with someone, the more heavy words are. And recovery time isn't equal either. If someone says a negative word, the recovery time doesn't just instantly get fixed when we say, I'm sorry, does it? Who said, I'm sorry? There's still possibly a wound there that's going to take some time to heal. So we've got to understand that words create an atmosphere. Not all words are weighed equally. The source isn't weighed equally and recovery time isn't equal. And so the power and importance of what we speak is really significant. So now we're going to jump into um, possibly, you know, um, James is a guy who was actually the brother of Jesus. And so James walked and talked and knew who Jesus was when he was on the earth 2,000 years ago. And um, James was someone who actually wrote in a style that was very practical. So uh, a lot of what he learned would have been, you know, from walking and talking with the disciples and his brother and also reading um, you know, proverbs and parables and things like that. So over time, you know, the flavour and style of what James wrote, he actually talked on this topic a lot. And he actually had some amazing insight into the power of words. In fact, I would suggest that if you guys think about the most kind of like destructive thing that's happened in a relationship, the experience that you've had so far in your life, the most destructive thing would likely be because of words that have been spoken. And that if you take heed to what James actually says, what we're going to read about, that in fact, that you possibly could have avoided it. And I would say that if we can kind of like grasp how important this is, that in the future, your relationships will be, uh, you know, less likely to be damaged through the words. And so James, when he talks about this he's actually has talks about a whole bunch of different things James in um, he talks about that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak he talks about that our yes should be yes and we should tell the truth he talks about that we shouldn't be judging and condemning others and he actually talks about the tongue and that's what we're going to focus on today but what the underlying theme is that um, James actually kind of like reveals the that words open up what is in our hearts and reveal the, our characters. So we've got to understand this is actually part of it. So anyway, so we're going to jump right in at James chapter 3, verse 2. And he says, We all stumble in many ways. And, you know, if you're not a Christian and you're watching today, it's okay, it's true. Christians all stumble. We all, everyone, everyone stumbles in many ways. So, uh, you know, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And what does he mean by perfect? They're able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, they're able to gain control of their mouth and you'll be able to keep yourself out of trouble. That's what James is saying here. So then he goes on and he says, 
and he gives some examples, right? And, and, and what we're going to go through is a whole bunch of like, you know, um, analogies and practical examples that James brings to life to explain how we have this amazing power of words and how there's life and death in the power of our words. So he, James 3.3, 3, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, and there's a picture of a horse here, then they, we can make them obey us and we can turn the whole animal. You think about a large horse can be controlled by the bit that's placed in the mouth. And he says, um, and, so, and so, you know, what he's kind of saying is that it's a small part, but, it, you know, a big influence. And we can actually change the direction. We can change the direction of people's lives with the power of our words, okay? And he says, or take ships for an example. Take boats for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds. Now, this is obviously, you know, 2,000 years ago and, and all the boats were driven by winds. And today, you know, boats are driven by engines with propellers. But and they take so large and they've got so much power that drives them forward. They're steered by a very small rudder. A very small rudder. Here's a picture of a boat here. And um, you can see, you know, that's a big boat. There's a bridge and buildings here. Obviously, you know, we're close to the boat. But the point is the size of the boat's really large, right? And there's this small rudder, this small little thing that can directs which way it's going to go. And if that rudder's out of whack, if those words that we speak out of our mouth are out of whack, we might just be off by five degrees. But over time... We can move way off course. So, um, he, so, uh, so James says, wherever the pilot wants to go, it can be steered by a very small rudder. And then he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And what he means by great boasts is it has extraordinary influence and power. Most of what is going on by who we vote written or spoken, who we vote for in elections, is driven by words spoken. <laughs> and, you know, the tongue, the tongue is, even though it's very small, it can get the whole body into trouble. This is what James is saying. You know, the when you think about it, the tongue's actually only, what, a couple of inches long. Um, it's a, quite an amazing thing. It's got, I, th I believe it's got eight muscles. And the tongue actually never gets tired. It's amazing. We've got all these other parts of our bodies that have muscles, but I, I've never heard anyone say, gee, my tongue's really tired. You know, my back, yeah, my legs, you know, I've done whatever, but the tongue's this amazing thing. Even though it's so small, it can get the whole body into trouble. When, when you know, when we, um, when someone says something, you know, if you're a parent and, and, you're, and you are going to ground your children or you're going to, you know, discipline your children, you, you don't ground the tongue, you ground the whole body. You know, if you're a principal and you're going to, like, you know, expel someone because they've, you know, broken some behavioural code and spoken something terrible, whatever it is, you don't ground, you don't expel just the tongue, you, you expel the whole body. And this small tongue, this small tongue can get us into so much trouble. So consider, this is the next analogy James has, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a really small spark. You know, and us in, in Victoria, you know, we had the 2020 Victorian bushfires, one of the disasters we had this year. It doesn't take us much to remember the, the absolute damage, the absolute loss, the devastation, the destruction of a massive fire. But you know what? All massive fires start by a very small spark. And how amazing is that, that a very small spark can create so much destruction in our life. A very small word can create so much destruction in the lives of people around us. 
So the tongue, James says, also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. James says it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. And what he means by that hell word is a source of evil. So, you know, as we're saying, this small thing can absolutely damage you mean, I'm sure you all can remember stories of you've heard of other people that, you know, something was said over their life and because of that, they just couldn't get past it. You know, because of that one thing that was spoken to them when they were little, because of that um, one word that was said, they just couldn't, you know, and, and they just found that they were just stuck in, in, in turmoil. And so words are so powerful. So James's observation is this, we have the potential to burn down our career. We have the potential to burn down our marriage. We have the potential to burn down our relationship with our words. That's how powerful these are, okay? So he goes on and then he says, this is, you know, is, is he finished? No, he's got more to talk about. So James says, hey, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed, and that tamed word means subdued, you know, generally speaking, they've all been tamed by mankind. You know, we might have an occasional shark shark attack or an occasional snake bite, but generally speaking, we've subdued animals. We've been able to, you know, subdue them. And, and but, James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's like it's untamable. It is a restless evil full of of deadly poison. It's like we need a warning sign on our tongues, James is saying. It's like we need, hey, danger, danger, poison, warning, warning. You know, be careful. This tongue thing can get you into a lot of trouble, right? And so he goes on, James uh, 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, with the tongue, and this is, this is probably, you know, the part where James is starting to talk specifically to, to Christians, you know, and, and so he says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, we're talking about this series of loving one another and James is calling out here that cursing human beings who have been made in the image of God, that is not what Jesus' followers do. So out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And he says, my brothers and sisters, or in other words, I'm saying to you Christians out there, this should not be. Out of the same mouth should not come praise and cursing. He goes on, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig bear olives or can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In other words, it's so unnatural for us to have, you know, some of the words that come out of our mouth that on one hand, they're producing this life and on the other hand, they're producing death. And this is where James ends the discussion. And, you know, I think he starts to move on to the next topic. And I think part of the reason why he ends the discussion here is because it's like, hey, guys, I just want to leave you with that warning, warning. The power of your words absolutely influences the quality and direction of those around you. And so, um, you know, what, what, what do we do? How do, Tim, you've, you've talked about this stuff. What, what do we do now? Do we play a game of upwards? You know, how do, we, how do we respond to this? And so I think part of it is that we need to start to make a choice. 
We need to make a bit of a conscious choice. We need to choose death or life, okay? And so, you know, I've got a couple of examples here. So, you know, the one that James talked about, curse and praising, right? Now, most people today wouldn't actively, deliberately curse someone, but I think one of the things that we do do a lot in our culture is we do name-calling. You know, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you'll amount to nothing. You know, those type of things are actually speaking death over somebody, okay? Whereas we could be speaking words of life. I believe in you. You're awesome. I love the way you play cricket. I'm re- I, you know what? Your paintings, they are really special. You're, you've got a real good gift there. Another one is complaining. It's this whole never enough thing. Oh, don't have enough time. Oh, don't have enough money. Oh, you know what? It's not good enough. That's not, you know, I'm not happy with it. You know, this constant complaining can absolutely terribly, you know, bring the atmosphere down in, 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 in a home or in a workplace, right? So another one, judging and being overly critical. You know, that kind of environment where we're being judging and overly critical is an environment where people just feel torn down, okay? Another one is gossip. You know, when we whisper stuff behind people's back because we don't want to say it to their face, that is choosing death. Gossip is not cool. Gossip, I mean, I think there's like a, a more modern version of gossip that we do. We don't do it to their physical face, but sometimes we write stuff on Facebook or social media of some sort. And reality was, if the person was standing right next to us, we probably wouldn't have done it. And sometimes those words can be damaging. Another one is lying. What lying does, you know, is it actually breaks trust. When someone is a constantly lying, it's actually, um, the, well, the, the Bible talks about that the devil is the father of lies and it's his native tongue, it's his native language. So us as Christians, you know, we're not liars. J- James said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If you are found in a position where you have shame, don't let fear of punishment drive you to be someone who starts lying because you will break trust with the relationship with other people and it will cause a bit of a disconnection in your relationship. And this Love Another, One Another series, we're trying to, you know, encourage that people are connecting. Another one, sarcasm. Anything which makes um, someone look or feel foolish. And, and what's the red flag with sarcasm? How do you know you're going too far with sarcasm? When someone says, hey, that hurt, and you respond with, oh, I was just joking. I was just joking. You know what? That's how you know you've gone too far when it comes to sarcasm. Okay, so another one is like, you know, the silent treatment, you know, like the whole silent treatment thing like that is not using words, but, you know, it's also speaking volumes. It's speaking volumes of unforgiveness. Okay, so we're going to choose death or life. So let's look at the life side, right? So we can praise, um, you know, instead of complaining, we, let's, let's be thankful for what we have got. Let's be grateful for, let's highlight the good, Right. And then, you know, instead of being judging, let's, let's be encouraging. Let's be undemanding. Let's not be demanding, right? Let's be forgiving. So, you know, instead of um, being gossip, how about we be open and, and we actually like say, if there's something that um, has caused like um, a bit of a, you know, an inconvenience to you or something like that, instead of telling person B, how about you go directly to that person and say, hey, look, I just wanted to let you know, you know, when that happened, this is how it affected me. 
If you're actually able to approach people directly, that is a far better way of choosing life. And combining it with forgiving, that is powerful. So another one is, you know, obviously we're going to, instead of lying, we're going to be honest and truthful. Um, instead of sarcasm, how about we compliment one another? How about we show honour towards one another with our words? And obviously, instead of the silent treatment, we we're going to have forgiveness and friendliness. So this is, this is the choice that we were asking. We're saying, what will you choose? Will you choose words which are death or words which are life? So then, so this week, I'm going to challenge us all, okay? I want to challenge us all. Let's remember the power of the tongue. Yeah, uh, Sam and Nana, if you want to come up, cool. Let's remember the power of the tongue. Let's remember um, that recognise that you have the ability to set the direction of lives around you and remember to speak words of life. And what I'd love us to do as a church, what I'd love you to do, even if you're not a Christian, when you're listening to this, is I'd love you to take this one-week challenge, this one-week challenge, and that is each day this week, I would like you to speak words of life. I want you to start the day. Let's get into the practice of speaking words of life, right? I want you to start the day by determining, and I was going to write that the next three things will be saying encouraging, uplifting words, but I've said the next five things. So you're going to get up tomorrow morning, your alarm's going to go off, and you're going to say an encouraging word to the people who you live in the same house of or the people that you go to the same workplace as. And five things, because when we start to do that, remember that um, one versus five kind of like um, balance that we were talking about earlier? Five things. It's going to be powerful. You just watch what happens when you speak words of life. And not only that, the second thing I want you to do is that when you get it wrong, when you realise during the week that maybe you spoke words of death, I want you to be willing to own it. I want you to go to that person and apologise and reconnect with the person and let the not next five things from that point in the day, the next five things that come out of your, of your mouth, be uplifting, encouraging and life-giving. So, just before uh, Sam and Anna come up and worship, I just want to say, today we talked about the power of words, right? We talked about what we say is extremely important to those around us. So I just want you to, for a moment, just to imagine your home, your school and your church. Imagine your workplace where you release the life words instead of the death words, okay? I want you to imagine the change in the atmosphere. I want you to imagine that you're setting people's life direction on a better path. And imagine the change in, you know, productivity and the connection of relationships that you'll have if you choose to listen to what James has shared with us. Thanks, guys.